You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Monday, kicking off three days worth of podcasts this week since the schedule right now is three days per week. We're going to have a little bit of fun on today's show. Going to give you an update on some things going on around the league as a whole. My thoughts on the the Vegas thing that we've talked about a little bit. I'm more down on this concept uh, today than I had been in the past, and I'll explain why. And then we're going to look at some of the seasons from the past. For the next two weeks, we're going to be doing a bit of a series here, and all of the podcasts on the Lockdown Network are going to be doing this, talking about the greatest season in their respective team's histories. So we don't have that far back to go in New Orleans, but we're going to talk about some of the best seasons in franchise history leading up to the best season in franchise history, which you might be able to guess what that is. You can probably guess what all of them would be, but we're going to start at the beginning for today's show, and we're going to look at the 0203 New Orleans Hornets and explain why it's considered one of the best in you know franchise history. There's a lot of reasons for that. So we'll spend a chunk of time talking about that in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So the Vegas plan, and I've talked a little bit about that here on the show, that maybe the NBA is going to take over one of the resorts, hotels, casinos, what have you, and kind of create its own bubble, essentially, similar to what it sounds like the Premier League is looking to do. And the more I think about this, the more... I don't know if this is really going to work, trying to kind of create this own ecosystem with, which has like no people from the outside getting involved in it because you do need to factor in things like if players are living in hotel rooms during this period of time, you know, the linens need to be changed, the rooms need to be cleaned. And unless the hotel is quarantining, if that's even a word, on site, those type of workers, you know, and they're not going home to their families or interacting with others outside of this, you know, it's it's not going to work. And I think that is a big issue when it comes to this. Can you just really create this entirely closed system? And I don't know if that's necessarily a realistic or feasible thing to try and do. The amount of money that that would take at a time when the league is worried about revenue is maybe not necessarily the smartest idea as well because the TV contract is still going to pay the same amount of money. So it's not like you're losing on the biggest revenue driver. You're not going to get the gate attendance from that either, which is the second biggest driver of everything. So you know, maybe it's commercial advertising and all of that, but I wonder if that's what ESPN gets. So without knowing the specifics of how the BRI, the basketball related income is, you know, divvied up and some of the specific sources of that, I'm a little bit more down on this idea being feasible. I think it's a great idea in theory. And in theory, the NBA should be able to do this. I just don't know if it's realistic for the league to actually get this done given the circumstances that we're all facing. And from talking to people around the league, both in the league, uh, writers, reporters, others, I talked to a number of people, everyone seems kind of down on the concept that this would work and that the league is going to really be able to get things done and is maybe looking at just kind of canceling the season. I don't know if that means they declare an NBA champion 
you know, or if it's just kind of considered null and void. There's a lot of other thorny situations to kind of figure out with that in terms of, you know, do you accrue a year on your contract for purposes of the CBA and future contracts? What about incentives and all of that that requires certain things and how does that all work? And that can all be figured out and isn't necessarily the the sticking point of it all, but it'll be a little bit interesting to see what the league does and how the league goes about this because looking at playing games right now, and you saw, you know, supposedly Trump's on a call saying, I want the NFL played. And Adam Silver said, yeah, when it's safe, we'll look at restarting all of this. When it's safe from health officials and the reports coming out kind of seem to push that back further and further. And you even had California's governor saying like, no, the NFL is not going to be starting on time, at least today as I see it. And you don't have to make a decision on it today necessarily. But, you know, every day that goes by, you're running out of time to try and figure out how to do this and when to get things started. So because of all of these things, I'm a little bit more down on the concept of the league starting up and getting things going again to end this regular season. And maybe it's just better to wait until next year to kind of push forward with everything and try and recap a lot of the lost money. But there is a lot of money at stake. And I think that's why the league isn't making this decision yet and won't make it for the foreseeable future because they want to see if they can exhaust all options before kind of resulting to what feels more like a nuclear scenario. So we'll see where this goes. But as of today, and maybe it's also that this is like week four of me starting to stay in my house or week five, I forget, there you go, that maybe I'm more down on things because of that. But talking around to people, you know, in and around and associated with the league, when people seem to be down on it and everyone is, it kind of gives you the prevailing sense of maybe where the winds are blowing, which isn't positive if you want to see more basketball the rest of this year. So maybe soon it will be time to start looking towards the draft and figuring out exactly how that's all going to work. So before we get into the first season of the New Orleans basketball franchise that is now the Pelicans was the Hornets, today's show is brought to you by Blinkist. Let me tell you about what is probably the most useful app on my phone currently. You're stuck at home, you will have a lot of free time now all of a sudden, and you're kind of bored. And it's easy to play a bunch of video games. I've been doing that. It's easy to watch old basketball games. I've been doing a lot of that. But I've also just been doing a lot of like sitting around staring at my phone and basically just like wasting time, which is fine. Something to do, but it's not necessarily the most productive time. And it would be better to sit down, read, and learn more. But sometimes I just don't have the attention span for that. But there's an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is really unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser, basically anywhere there's internet. And Blinkist takes away the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders, they're well known for reading lots of books, same as as LeBron James. Blinkist is made for busy people like you, bored people like you, who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or while you exercise. 12 million people People are using Blinkist right now and is a massive and growing library from everything from self-help, business, health, 
history books. It's got all the latest titles from bestseller lists, as well as classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read, but never had time to. I've been using this to kind of fill a lot of the time during the day in between Zoom meetings when I'm out on walks, just using this opportunity to better myself and trying to make lemons out of this or lemonade out of this whole situation. And that's why I've been using Blinkist. So with Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want and more for just one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA to try it for free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com NBA to start your seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist nba All right, so going back to the beginnings of this franchise, and I know a lot of people trace the beginning to Charlotte and the Charlotte Hornets, and for a long time that actually was the history of the New Orleans Hornets and the Pelicans, but some weird stuff kind of happened along the way, which I think is worth mentioning, that more or less the way to look at this team is an expansion franchise that started in 02 and 03. They originally did keep the history of the Charlotte Hornets when they moved here, including having Bobby Phils' retired number. But once the Bobcats rebranded to the Hornets and kind of reverted back to all of that, they got the history of all the stuff that happened in Charlotte back. It's weird how that stuff kind of works, and that's the reason why you don't see Bobby Phils have his number retired because that went back to the kind of rightful team where all of that stuff happened. So that is why we kind of look at this franchise as starting in 0203, even if really, you know, they moved from another place and they had, you know, the same players and the same kind of team and roster and all of that in the same history. But for the most part, things began in 0203. And when we look back at kind of the best seasons in franchise history, I mean, the beginning has to be one, right? There was a lot of excitement for this moving to New Orleans, and it predates my time living here by two years, but I'm pretty well-versed in everything that kind of went beforehand, and knowing that people were just excited to have a replacement for the Jazz, which moved away, you know, decades before, and that people wanted to see some basketball here and see if it would work, and, you know, the New Orleans arena was basically rushed to be built to kind of handle having a basketball franchise here. People stood outside in line to try and buy season tickets including Archie Manning at the time. And there's a number of stories of people uh, standing in line and he was just either in front of you or behind you because he wanted to have season tickets too and waited in line like everybody else. Though attendance wasn't the best that first season, the team ranked 19th out of just 29 teams at the time, not 30 teams at the time. Um, they, They still did okay and they were a decent team. And we'll get into some of the players and some of the highlights of the season, but it's interesting. You had Paul Silas as the head coach. The team finished 47-35. and 35. They were third in the Central Division and were in the Eastern Conference at the time. Yeah, I think we'd all love for them to still be over there in the Eastern Conference. The team was a slow-paced team for the NBA. They ranked 23rd out of 29 with a pace of 89.4. To put some context on that, because we talk about pace a lot right now, 89.4 would be by far 30th in the league currently. The lowest pace right now is 96.24 by, unsurprisingly, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, And 
that team was about seven possessions slower per uh, 100 or per game um, than the slowest paced team now. That is like slow as molasses here. So it's a very different play style for everything. But this team's important because they were the first team here. They made the playoffs. And that's what I've said is always the best way to build excitement. So getting into the playoffs, even though they lost to the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round, two to four, um, is still a pretty big deal. And you know what? They were pretty good defensively. They were okay offensively. Um, and when you look at some of the guys that they had, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Jamal Mashburn, 21.6 points per game that season. Six assists, six rebounds leading the team. Baron Davis in his third year, 17 points per game, 6.4 assists. You had David Wesley. Former color commentator for the team still with Fox Sports Southwest. 16.7 points per game as a shooting guard. 3.4 assists, 2.4 rebounds. He also shot 42.4% from three that season. P.J. Brown, 10.7 points per game, nine uh, boards. Um, Jamal McGlure, 10.3 points per game nine boards as well. They had a couple of guys that you're pretty familiar with, also including Robert Pack, who's a former assistant coach for your New Orleans Pelicans. Five points per game, three assists as well. They were a bit of a kind of scrappy team. You look at that roster, and at the time it was like, yeah, they can get into the playoffs, but certainly they were not going to um, get into like the NBA Finals or be a contender. Good enough to get in and get bounced out of the first round. By the way, um, Jeff Bauer was an assistant coach on that team during the time as well. So we'll look at this coming up a little bit more too in the next segment of the show. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from. Still here for you every week with three shows, not five days a week, but three days a week covering everything you want to know, news around the league, recapping some great games, looking back now at the top seasons in franchise history, and we'll have some more guests coming up very soon for everything. It's still kind of nice to be talking some basketball. I enjoy doing these, even if it is just every other day during this time. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Leave a five-star review with a comment. All of that really does help especially at a time when podcast numbers are low for literally everybody we did not see this kind of industry um taken or did not take off like people thought it might with people stuck at home things have been hurting so help out by subscribing and leaving a five-star review locked on pelicans wherever you get your podcast from so back to the inaugural season for the then new orleans hornets and as I've said, this this season wasn't so important and it shouldn't be considered the best of because it was a very good team, but more what it represented to New Orleans, getting a basketball team back, making the playoffs and making people think that, you know, this could grow into something. But it's not like the team was bad on the court either. They had an eight game winning streak at one point during the year. They won their final five in a row going into the playoffs um, to help with some of the playoff seating and everything. And they were pretty good. And when you look at some of the wins they got, when you look at the teams that were tops that league um, or that season, they were pretty decent at home. They have wins over the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are one of the better teams that season. They went on the road and beat the Lakers that year. And the highlight might be the 108-84 just drubbing of the Sacramento Kings in February at home, a Kings team that in 02-03 was really freaking good. Um, a team that had Doug Christie, Peja Stoyakovich, Mike Bibby, 
maybe Hito Turgaloo uh, and Vladi Divac um, and Chris Weber, who didn't play in that game. But that was a very, very good team, and they just straight took it to them at home in this one. So you had a number of guys who were pretty good. Jamal Mashburn, 26 points in that game. David Wesley was 17, um, as they really held that very high-scoring and very good Kings team to not do them a whole lot. So it wasn't like the team was bad. But they just are more important for other reasons here in New Orleans, really being the start of basketball. Again, that has a bit of a mixed history here, not being very good, not being, you know, objectively terrible either, as we'll look at some of the more highlightable seasons coming up in the future. But this team was decent. They got into the playoffs, but, you know, they were never really a threat to get out of there and lost to the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round. It was just kind of how it was going to go with this team. But it did lead to basketball being back and better things and better days to talk about, which we'll be doing the rest of the week and next week, as well as we highlight some of the top seasons. So do you have memories of the first season here in New Orleans? Were you waiting in line to buy season tickets? Let me know on Twitter at Nola Jake. You can use the call in line 504-321-0448 as well. And that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget, check out Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, the draft guru back with the Locked On Podcast Network. First real work in two years for him. After leaving ESPN, that is where I'm going to get the majority of my draft info from. And it's been pretty awesome to listen to so far. So make sure you check that out. Subscribe to Locked on Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all on Wednesday.